are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony and welcome to another episode of the Pharmacy ITME podcast. As with every episode, we start this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. Today, we're going to be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Raymond Chan, on what his role is in pharmacy informatics and technology. So thank you so much for, you know, uh, just being on this podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank, uh, thank you. you know, and thank you so much for having me today uh, on your podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. It's an honor to speak with you. Like I've, I've, uh, I've seen your name a lot. I've, I know that some of my colleagues look up to you very much, uh, in terms of being a mentor. So, you know, it's, it's really great to, uh, get to speak with you today for the podcast. I guess before we get into like discussions about, uh, about, about your specific role and some of that stuff, can you kind of give the listeners a little bit more about, I guess, just a general overview about your background and why you got into pharmacy? Sure. So I guess uh, a little bit of my background and, so I had a growing up, I guess, you know, growing up in an Asian family, my choices were a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And then those were repeatedly suggested to me as I was growing up. But I always had an interest in science technology. And for a period of time, I wanted to be a doctor. So that's kind of like a choice. So I ended up going into pharmacology in undergrad. And partly through that, I actually did a summer internship at a pharmaceutical company. And that's where I, I met several PharmDs and saw the research side of it. And I said, okay, maybe this is something I could actually do. And around that time, there's also a shortage of pharmacists. And so it seemed like a viable career opportunity. So fast forward, I actually, and I think that's where I got my love into pharmacy and just got into the pharmacy as a field. Awesome. So I guess when you were in pharmacy school, did you know already that the technology as that technology aspect was something that you were going to uh, kind of move towards? Or was that something you kind of learned a little bit later? So in pharmacy school, I actually had no idea that there was a choice to be um, in technology or combine both technology and pharmacy. And so it was, wasn't really until I did my PGI-1. And so that was at, at Beth Israel Medical Center in New York City at the time, uh, which is now is the Mount Sinai Health System. So during that time, we went from a, I guess, pharmacy information system where and paper Mars to a complete EMR. And that occurred about three months into my PGA-1. So it was actually pretty easy for me to just say, okay, let me just throw out all the workflows I know and then just adapt to the new workflows in the new system. And actually during that time, you know, since it was a new conversion, the whole, whole hospital was converted to that new MR. Uh, there were some, you know, minor things that needed to be tweaked. And so I, I started submitting those tickets into the IT team to say, okay, maybe we need to adjust this or um, maybe consider looking at this other issue. So after about like maybe three or four of those, they, they called me up and said, hey, would you like to do a rotation with us and just come see what it looks like from the informatics side? And so that's where actually I realized that there's there are pharmacists that paired both their clinical and technolo- technological acumen together. And I, after doing um, a couple of weeks with them, I just kind of I fell in love with it. Shortly after that, I applied to the PGY2 at Centera, and then um, I guess you could say the rest is history. That's really cool because uh, I think like one of the aspects too of like people working in the workflow is they do submit a lot of these tickets, but sometimes they may not understand that you know there does there is a lot of work that goes into like the system build. And it's really cool. I, I think it's really cool that for you, the the team that was working on the actual build, the informatics team actually recognized that, you know, um, it would be beneficial for you to, to learn that aspect. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And I think maybe a little bit of my history would be include, um, you know, kind of an engineering background. So an informal engineering background. So my dad was an electrical engineer and 
you know, I think his his approach for solving problems or his mindset for solving problems and making things better, I kind of I guess was important printed on me as I was growing up. So I think um, I was able to break down the workflow a little more and look at you know pieces and look at it a little more objectively. And on the flip side, you know, I think some uh, pharmacists during that time had been working there for 15, 20 years. So I think the old workflows were muscle memory. And you know, of course, after working at somewhere for 15, 20 years, you have to unlearn that first and then relearn the new workflows. So I think it helped that I had only been trained for three months and it's like, oh, here's the new way to doing things. And I was able to hop on and just um, run from there. So, you know, you you had a residency training for your PGY1. And I guess like one of the questions I have too is, um, did that PGY1, like, was it instrumental in like providing you some of the skills that you needed to, to uh, be successful for your informatics residency? I think definitely. So, you know, with the PGY1, there is a variety of experiences. And I think one um, longitudinal component was actually management. So the at the time, it was part of a, well, still, I guess, is a medical system with multiple hospitals. And coordinating those changes and requesting things to be changed took a little bit more. And so you had to jump through a couple more hoops to actually get things approved or get things changed. And I think that actually lent well to to informatics side. So one, you know, the project management and thinking about change management, how do you change something for hundreds or thousands of people. Um, and then on the flip side, of course, there's also the, the clinical aspect of BDI1, making sure you get exposed to all those different areas, um, going through the different rotations and understanding, the, I guess, the how the perspective of critical care versus emergency medicine versus oncology and all the different specialties within pharmacy. So I think it was definitely very variable. So then when you went into your PGY2 program, and I know it's like a heavily focused to uh, informatics because it's, you know, PGY2 and informatics, like how was that structured? Was it kind of like, do you still have the longitudinal aspect as a primary thing or do you get like more like bite-sized kind of things per month? Like I I know these programs differ a lot, like from one institution to the next. And I guess I was curious about like what your experience was. Okay. Yeah. Um, from my experience, I had a primarily longitudinal experience. So it was, we focused on all the competencies. So for example, like project management or leadership, uh, clinical decision support, and built on those things throughout the whole year um, by working on increasingly more complex projects. So in the very beginning, you know, of course, I did a lot of shadowing. Um, I learned the roles of all the different members of the team and the responsibilities. Then, you know, slowly just, you know, started building uh, change the dose for a medication, then start building a medication, build an alert, and kept on progressively getting more difficult projects throughout the whole year. All the while, all the time, I guess, getting a varied experience, making sure I don't focus on one aspect too much versus another. And I was really lucky to have, uh, I think at the time, 10 other people on my team and a, a pharmacist. So there was like maybe three other pharmacists on my team and the director of uh, IT uh, over, our t- or I guess, over my manager at the time was a pharmacist too. So I think it really helped to have that uh, support and um, perspective from all those different people. So you know, like for your your role, you just mentioned about like how it got difficult over time. The types of projects you got. So I'm I'm wondering, like, what does that mean? Like when you went from one project to the next, to the next, uh, what was it that made it uh, quote unquote more difficult? So I think what after I figure out how to do something easy, I think it was always pushing my limits. So if I knew how to do one, I guess A, then next I would learn to do A, then B, then uh, A, B, C. So starting with, uh, I guess, building out a medication, it might start with uh, modifying the default dose button that, it, that would display to everyone across the system. Then maybe the next step is 
looking at a couple of the defaults within a medication and modifying that. Of course, always working with someone until I'm comfortable. And then I think maybe further down the line, it might be building out a, a chemotherapy agent and um, thinking about all the different things that would go with that uh, medication build. So the alerting, um, order sets, workflow, integration, the training tip sheets. So kind of like everything that kind of goes with changing that thing or rolling out a, a, a new build in the system. I think you progressively take on more responsibilities throughout the whole year. So is your team, like, do you guys have, like, um, I, I know the structure differs for, you know, different organizations, but does your team have, like, different um, informatics pharmacists that kind of have certain focus, or is it more of, like, you kind of do everything? Yeah, I think at this time, they're, the pharmacists are focusing on specific areas, but also do uh, have responsibilities for everything. So they, right now, there's a, uh, a pharmacist that focuses on oncology, another one on AMS, me, myself, I will focus on MedRec and transition to care. And another pharmacist actually focuses on the medication build and um, the loads from the vendor. Oh, okay. So like just um, getting the, the updated clinical content, right? Yeah, updated clinical content, but also kind of the, the main go-to person for building out medications for the system. So kind of like you know having that oversight to um, all the medications that be built out. I see. Okay, that's that's cool. Like that's a pretty good, robust kind of a uh, team of responsibilities, which uh, you know it's not very uh, common everywhere. It's uh, it's kind of like depending on the needs of organization. Organization, and I only say that too because like for me, I used to work at an organization where I was the only informatics pharmacist, and I ended up having to take pretty much everything. So it's difficult and then prioritizing it and things like that. So um, I really enjoy working now as a team as you know, how, how my organization is like is very similar to what yours is. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I guess you worked there for a few years um, as a pharmacy IS specialist, which by the way, it's kind of funny because that, that um, title pharmacy IS mm -hmm. specialist, I haven't seen it really in many places until I took on that role at current place I'm at, which is also called pharmacy IS specialist. So oh, nice. okay. yeah, have you have you seen that title specifically at, at many places? You know, I think maybe thinking back in the beginning, it, I didn't see it as often, maybe more so in the last maybe five years or so, I've seen it become more, more common place. And maybe perhaps like, you know, you know, of course, the it's probably very similar positions, but just have different names across different organizations. Um, I do remember like 10 years ago, it, it looked quite different for depending on where you look. Yeah, no, that, that's very true. I remember starting off like when I was looking for jobs and uh, I was Googling the term IT pharmacist. And I, I don't see that term much anymore, but back then it was pretty common, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there was a lot more with like IT pharmacists or um, I forgot all the terms actually, but it, it was a lot, definitely um, a wider range of terms that they use uh, versus what you see more today, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, you know, like for your transition too, like it, it's really cool that you finish your, your residency program and you kind of just transition into the role at the same place. So with obvious things like, you know, you know the system now, but um, what other benefits was there? You know, just being there already doing your informatics residency and then just becoming the full time like IS specialist. So I think with the the P2I2, you know, having that the ability to connect and network this, with multiple uh, resources or different people within across the organization, I think that was the biggest benefit. So getting that connection in my during my P2I2 helped, you know, accelerate my, I guess, progression after getting that full time position. 
So seeing how the organization works as a whole, looking at the administrative side, you know, I think getting that view into that perspective, I think, really helped after I transitioned to that full-time position. That's cool. So, it, you know, it's, it's also nice that you know, like the entire team too. And I guess like for over time, uh, you eventually got into the, the role of like the pharmacy informatics residency program director. And uh, can you kind of just describe about like what kind of happened there? Like, how did you know that that was like what you wanted to uh, participate in, like being the residency program director of, you know, Centara? So it's actually a little, uh, maybe a small story about that. So after I finished my PGY2, with under a year, my RPD uh, for my PGY2 actually left to do consulting. So the opportunity to become the residency coordinator actually came up you know, while I was still pretty new to the position. So I ended up becoming the residency coordinator. I took over um, helping um, train the current resident at the time. And of course, you know, being new to the position, I, I didn't really know as much. I had just graduated my PGY2, so certainly a lot of things I had to learn. And then kind of maybe... It was an informal residency program director for, um, I guess, them moving forward. So I think after a couple of years, I ended up uh, officially taking that title and running the program. So I think in the in the beginning, like I said, I was certainly very new to it. I had, uh, I'm sure, I made a lot of mistakes, had to learn, but I think you know, just constantly iteratively improving. I think it it pushed me to change and learn faster myself, since I had to be responsible for teaching someone else about uh, informatics. I think what, what, what one of my saving graces was that I had just finished my program. So having that perspective of, um, you know, someone new to informatics and what would be beneficial for them to learn and phrasing concepts in a way where it was easy to understand. I think that definitely helped during that time. Yeah, it's nice that, you know, you're able to go through the same program that you end up being uh, responsible for. So <laughs> and then, like, I guess for your uh, your current like vision with that program, has it changed a lot from when you went? through it yourself or like um is it still mostly intact and you introduce like s- several new concepts you know with with the whole like idea that technology changes so much right like just really rapidly like are there any changes that you apply to the to the program that's kind of like pushing it a little bit more forward that's a good question in terms of the structure of the residency so the, the structure of the residency didn't change and I think, you know, the, the organization itself has changed, but I think in terms of the competencies, you know, the, the focus on project management and leadership, clinical and support, automation, all those things, I think all those competencies remain the same. But I think the nuances in how I teach it and apply it to the resident have um, certainly changed over time. So I think it's maybe more changes in the strategy for execution and driving change for their resident and you know making sure they they can learn as much as possible throughout the year versus actually changing competency but although i do have to say one thing that i did change over time was actually customizing the experiences for the resident so every year i actually customize it to their specific uh, strengths and weaknesses and at the same token, I'll modify my approach based on their preferences. So I like I like that because then it's not necessarily a cookie cut approach. I have a framework that I use, and of course, I make sure I cover all the foundational pieces of the residency and competencies. But I think the the other side is that you know it takes a lot more work to actually customize it to them. But that's how I drill down and put them in an environment or make them feel comfortable enough to learn as much as possible throughout the year. Because I think constantly throughout the year, I one of my favorite phrases is being comfortable with being uncomfortable so constantly pushing their their limits not too far because you know i don't want to make them completely uh uncomfortable and you know not know what exactly not know anything what they're they're doing 
I want to push them so that there's a certain, uh, I guess, amount of uncertainty, uncomfortableness, but still be able to fall back on their foundations and, and move forward. So I think that's probably the biggest change I've made with the, the residency over the years. You know, that's a really, really good approach because like, like you said, they, they all have their like weaknesses and strength and strengths. And I guess like uh, from a management side, right? Like the, the managers that are the better managers are the ones that can fit the skills of the employee with the job that they're doing. Um, and I think like, you know, what you're doing is kind of like in a similar vein where you know what their strengths are. So you want to train towards, you know, what their skill set is, which is really cool. And I guess like, um, like, how have you seen that approach uh, work with the residents that come out of that program? I think it's, I definitely see a difference in the the residents over time. So, you know, like my, maybe my very first full resident, like I said, I was making, I probably made a lot of mistakes. Um, I was new at it. You know, I, I myself didn't have a lot of knowledge and I think I was definitely more of a cookie cutter and relying on my past experiences from my preceptors. So I, I hadn't found my style at the time. And I think over time, it, it's actually helped me even um, when I start customizing my approach and changing my management style per resident, it's actually afforded me the ability to learn from them. So not necessarily, of course, it's it's a two-way street for me. I firmly believe in that, um, you know, the mentor-mentee relationship can go both ways depending on what time and and place that you're that you're in. And so I think that's probably like the biggest impact for for the residents in the long term is that having that two-way relationship, being able to being willing to change over time and fitting your management style to, I guess, almost each other in a way. That's really cool. So so I guess like we've been talking a little bit more about the residency program like in the last you know a good part, portion of the episode, and I do want to also get back into like your role as a pharmacy eye specialist because like that's that's a little bit more kind of like detailed towards like the things that you do and like you said earlier you guys kind of like cover each other but some people do other aspects of the the system versus you and for for your side of things like what what's kind of like your day-to-day and your responsibilities uh, as a pharmacy is specialist day-to-day probably the only things that remain constant are you know you go to meetings you sit in front of your computer check emails and then work on various projects and I think those are they're pretty much like the only constants that we have from the day to day. So in terms of the projects that we work on, I guess I do focus on transition to care, uh, medrec, and uh, clinical decision support in general across uh, medication use processes. So that really encompasses a lot of different worlds. My primary focus is on the inpatient side, but we also do a little bit of outpatient, a little bit of ambulatory pharmacy. We also have our own specialty pharmacy, and we have a managed care arm of Sentara that also folds into analytics and um, doing uh, just various evaluations and utilization reports. So I think in terms of responsibilities, we kind of cycle through the different specialties. So you might uh, one day work on oncology, another day work on emergency care. Maybe you focus on tying together a tool that physicians, pharmacists, and nurses utilize to make decisions in their day-to-day life. So I think uh, in terms of the projects that we work on, I think I think very similar to many other informaticists, it, it changed from day to day, maybe hour to hour. And for the larger projects, you know, just uh, every few months, you, you get on, take a, tackle a different challenge. You know, you, you mentioned about different projects. One thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about, I don't know if, um, if you've experienced uh, 
I'm I'm curious about this because you know pharmacy informatics and pharmacy eye specialists and the informatics pharmacist is very like the idea is usually tied to the idea that they work in a hospital system and focus more on the inpatient side. And I was wondering for you, like at your institution, do you primarily focus on that or do you actually get some projects that's a little bit more like of the patient and consumer focus side? I think we, I personally have involved in ones that have a patient consumer focus. Well, actually, I take that back. So like maybe perhaps like with um, configuring things that the patient would consume on the outpatient side. So it kind of ties in with the transitions of care side of the, the project. Initially, we focused on an inpatient side, but you know, thinking about what materials you would provide to the patients as they go and transition to maybe home care or a skilled nursing facility, or I guess maybe other areas of uh, other clinical areas after they, they leave the inpatient um, realm. So I think we've we've configured different things, different tools to for both the the patient side, the consumer side, as well as the um, pharmacists and other providers that work in the ambulatory or outpatient setting. So I think it, it's a mix. I think it's you know you can't necessarily. I think with a lot of things that we do, once you touch one area, it kind of is connected to many other things. So you still have to have that, I guess, 10,000 foot view and the 5,000 foot view, as well as the patient view before you make these changes. That's a really good point. Uh, the whole thing is just integrated. Everything is like, it, you know, as much as we want full interoperability, that's not really all there yet. But just knowing that all these systems like affect one another is uh, is one of those things that's just is very important to know uh, when you're working with, you know, informatics tools and, and software and applications and hardware. I guess like if you had to choose like one project or, you know, if you can't get into detail, like just gen generally, like what kind of like experience that you had, like what was like something that I guess you were really proud of or you stood out to you in your memory of like all the times that you've been working as a farm CIS specialist? Mark, maybe I can give a, a few examples. So I think probably one the biggest example, the most recent one that took probably like two years of effort was the transitional care. And so what we did is we we created a scoring tool, a particular scoring tool for pharmacists at discharge mid-rec. And with this process, what we did, so since um, we, we were in Epic since 2007, and at the time we kicked off the project, we um, had been on Epic for 10 years. So the initial goal was to, okay, let's just um, completely forget our current workflow, assemble a small uh, agile team, and then use that team to make quick decisions and develop a completely new workflow that addressed all the current issues and allowed pharmacists to do more with the same number of resources. So with this team, um, we started yeah, about 2016, and there was a team of about maybe eight or nine people. And what we did was... We pulled in stakeholders, of course, from administration. We had uh, stakeholders from the clinical side and also as well as the IT side, uh, both administration and analysts. And what we did is just completely redesign the whole process, made decisions, and then risk stratified patients that were being discharged from the hospital. So, for example, it would just be a high, medium, or low risk. And then and now, we actually don't have uh, the all the resources to actually view every patient at discharge. So it's just basically a way to triage the patients and say, where can pharmacists give the most value for um, at discharge med rec? And so creating that tool took a whole year. We, you know, hit the drawing board several times, went through that uh, lean methodology to develop that new process and came up with something that actually we piloted a hospital 
that ended up rolling out to the whole system. And at the very end, so it actually included pieces of in the patient list where pharmacists can give the most value for their time. In addition to that, once you get into the chart, then you can document and say, what exactly did the pharmacist intervene on? You know, did they uh, recommend a dose change? Did they recommend an alternative therapy? Were there, are there any costs or insurance considerations? So all these different things that you know tie into patient adherence and their you know long-term care actually was folded into that documentation. But at the same time, we were thinking, okay, once we create this new documentation tool, of course, we want to do the analytics in the long term and say, did we really make a difference? And how do we, you know, describe exactly what we did and have counts of exactly which interventions we made? And so after a year and a half, we made those interventions, look back at our how we performed. And then when we roll it out to the whole system at the two-year mark, we will look back and say, when in the beginning, we were doing maybe only a third of what we were able to do. So we tripled our capacity for doing discharge med reviews by implementing this without even having to change the resources that pharmacy has. So it's the same number of FTEs, same number of pharmacists, and we were able to triple the number of discharge med reviews they were doing because we automated about uh, 40 different things for them to review in their chart. So I think that was one one big, uh, I guess, project that I worked on recently. That's that, that's really cool. I think one of the big challenges of showing leadership is the value of pharmacists. And, you know, just doing that was able to, um, I guess, from your end, help the pharmacists be more efficient and um, show demonstrate their value. Um, for, for leadership, you kind of justify, you know, like having pharmacists on staff. And that, that's amazing that you're able to, you know, automate some of that process and help out with like the workflow. And I, I say I, I certainly didn't do it alone, too. So I think we had a, that team. And I think without that team, we wouldn't have even accomplished what we did. So we were able to incorporate so many different perspectives into one. And I think one one actually feedback about that that project was, you know, one of the pharmacists said um, there are times they can even catch the physician still doing discharge med rec um, in real time because we had a, a kind of a dashboard to show them when which patients were had a discharge order but hadn't had discharge med rec completed yet. And so pharmacists were able to catch physicians in the middle of them doing medrec and, and um, you know, at the best time to suggest change rather than waiting to an hour or two hours later and trying to find them. Yeah, so it's really good that you brought that up. And, you know, like the, the thing about like technology, too, is that, of course, there's like the pros and the cons and things like that. So I guess like another aspect I want to ask about is because you've been in this role through the traditional method of going from PGY1 to PGY2 and then working into informatics. What kind of advice would you give to people who, you know, um, are maybe they're a student and they don't really know what informatics is and they're interested in learning more or maybe they are a pharmacist and they're looking to transition into like the informatics field but they have no idea where to start. Do you have any like particular advice you want to give them? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, for me, uh, I'm a fan of Simon Sinek, so I'd say start with why. You know, what what is your why for doing informatics and um, what about it uh, incites your passion and maybe connects with things that you love to do? So for me, you know, I think it's, I, I still love working on, you know, puzzles and playing chess or any other like kind of brain teasers. And I think that kind of ties in well with informatics because a lot of things we work on is taking a bunch of new things and trying to break it down and create company, something that's completely new but works for um, whoever's using it. So I think, you know, definitely starting with why is is important because there is a lot of hard work that goes into it. Maybe number two, I think uh, a lot of times what I like to tell, what I discuss with my students is, you know, writing down what is important to you, uh, both personally and professionally. And I think the reason why I say that is because I think in this world, or I guess more, more so nowadays, a lot of times your personal life and your professional life tend to blur together a little bit more. 
And what you love to do on a personal basis is actually can tie in very well with what you do professionally and drive you, you know, so chase what you love. And I think that's that's more important to actually do what you love. But still, of course, consider other factors. You can't just do what you love and not have it um, sustain your your life. Right. But if it's, you know, if you're if your why is just for the money aspect or whatnot, I think that's certainly something you want to avoid. So but I think, you know, constantly, constantly uh, reevaluating what you have in terms of what's important to you, both personally in your personal life and your professional life, I think is is another thing to to look at. So I think those are maybe two things that I'll suggest for uh, students or pharmacists looking to get into field and kind of in line with what I was talking about before with the mentorship for their for residents. Uh, one thing I like to tell uh, my students is, you know, make sure you pay it for it. And by paying for it, I think you you learn from people that have different perspectives from you. And if you help someone out, you may not know sometimes, you know, I, I believe in karma, so our cosmic karma. And then if you put something else out, get into the world, maybe that luck will come back to you someday. You know, I think that that learning from other people that you, you are teaching, I think it's definitely something you can uh, take advantage of. Awesome. That's that's really good advice. And, you know, like for people who wanted to reach out to you and I guess had further questions about maybe your path, uh, your current role, or even if they had questions about the, you know, Centara's uh, residency program, uh, what's the best way that they can reach you at? I think probably LinkedIn or email would be the best ways. So my email is rcchan at centera.com. That's R-C-C-H-A-N at centera.com. And I'll be happy to answer either one of those places. Awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, I'll be putting that information into our show notes. So for anyone who's interested in reaching out, you can just check the show notes and click on the link or send an email over and uh, you'll be connected. But, uh, you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time to be on the podcast today. And I definitely want to thank you, too. I appreciate you um, having this setting out time for me. And hopefully your listeners got something out of this. Thank you for listening and if you like our show please share with your friends or write a review on apple podcast or your other favorite podcasting services you can find us on all major social media platforms and you can reach me at tony at pharmacyitme.com to learn more about pharmacy informatics you can register to the introduction to pharmacy informatics course at pharmacyinformaticsacademy.com completely for free to network with other great pharmacists, check out pharmacistconnect.com. And to network with other healthcare technology professionals, check out healthtechbuddies.com. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal.